It's the Any Given Thursday podcast. Were we recording? Just not yet. Oh. We're back. <laughs> I didn't know we were already recording. We're back, uh, back for Group F, featuring Belgium, Croatia, Morocco, and Canada, making, I believe, their second ever appearance at the World Cup, and their first since, I want to say, 88, 86, 86 since Mexico 86. Mm-hmm. And Canada comes later. We're going to start with Belgium who are the favorites of the group and who I feel like every tournament now we're like, is this the end of the golden generation? Mm-hmm. Is this the, is this the last, the last big chance they have this time though? I don't think anybody thinks they of them as a c- title contender or favorite. Like they did in 2018. Mm-hmm. Like in 2018, I think, I don't think they were favored against Brazil in that quarterfinal that they won, but I think it wasn't like that surprising. No, I mean, they were definitely, I think, considered one of the top four teams at the 2018 World Cup. I'd say in, like, and 2016, too, at the at the Euros. Yeah. When they lost to Wales. Uh, in the, the quarterfinals. I think they were favorites the in that one, too. Not in 2016 Euros. Oh, yeah, I thought you were talking 2020. I was like, no, they lost no, to no, Italy. No. And I think it was that Italy game where they got really outplayed that kind of yeah. signaled it looked like the for end. the general public, like, this is no longer... A yeah. team that's fighting to win these big tournaments is yeah. kind of over. I think for them. it's a little hasty to say they're just like done because they mm-hmm. still have brilliant players, yeah. but they are definitely not a favorite, and um, I think they're vulnerable in a lot of the same areas they were recently. Mm-hmm. They're somehow still ranked number two in the world by FIFA, mm-hmm. which will likely which drop make... given the result of yeah, their friendly still... against Egypt. It doesn't make any sense, and also they, you know, we talked about this in the Group A podcast, but they lost. Twice to the Netherlands in... I mean, they didn't have a bad Nations League performance, but no. they did lose twice to their bitter rivals, the Dutch, the Dutch and, including a 4-1 drubbing at home, yeah. which is not... And the Dutch didn't even have their best squad. They also lost to the Netherlands in Holland, but narrowly, but the Dutch played basically none of their primary players. So it's a bit of a weird... It's a bit of a weird situation with them. Mm. They usually... They like that 3-4-2-1 that... How long has... Roberto Martinez been charged a long time, a long time, right? I mean, he's been the guy, the basically their whole little golden generation thing. Let 2014, me, 2013. Let me look. To Let's be, confirm. That, that was only 2016 that mm. he took charge, but I guess it is kind of like when that golden generation mm-hmm. kind of came to the forefront. So he's been the guy for this whole spell mm-hmm. of, I get. I mean, by Belgian standards, historically, yeah, this has been really successful. Right, but it does feel like they've underperformed. A little bit, given the, I think, the individual quality. Well, I also think there's different expectations for them internationally and within the country. Mm-hmm. Like, we have, we see their roster in some of those past tournaments and we say, yes, this is an inner circle favorite. I think in Belgium, though, in a country that didn't have great footballing tradition on the international scale until this last decade, I think, like, finishing in third at the World Cup was a huge deal. Yeah. And Roberto Martinez is, like, well and dearly loved in the country. Mm-hmm. It's not like... I feel like if, if this was if he was had the team he had and he was in Holland, I, I think people would be frustrated with his tactics by now. I think they'd be wanting a change. Yeah. But I think in Belgium he's like basically one of them now, and he's brought them the best success in like his in their history. Really, I mean they had a couple of like you know round of sixteen quarterfinal uh you know runs in the past, and they didn't. It's not like they were never making the World Cup, but they weren't like an established footballing nation to the scale of some of the other European powers. So they've already done a world of good for, you know, the impression of them on the international scale. And 
you know, I, I think that third place finish is not to be underestimated. Mm-hmm. We um, should say that <clears throat> the third place finish was their best World Cup performance mm-hmm. ever. Only the second time they've made the semifinals yeah, it's in a big their deal. team history, and only the third time they've made the quarterfinals. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a yeah. big deal. So, so uh, he's, so the, I think that's important to note. Um, I think a lot of us non-Belgians are actually frustrated with Roberto Martinez, though, because, well, personally, I don't want to see Belgium do any better than that as a Dutch fan, because mm-hmm. that's embarrassing for us. Um, I don't hate them like I hate Germany. Mm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But. I don't want them to win. I don't want them to do better than the Dutch at a tournament. I understand how you feel. <laughs> so, the the part of the rigidity to the tactics is within this three four two one that he's kind of always played, and it's defensible in some cases. That partially, especially now that they have sort of older defenders, but and trying to use their talented midfield and attackers in the best possible way. Um, but let's why don't we just go back to front? Okay. And see how we feel about the state of the team now. Yeah. So we're going to start with one of the best keepers in the world, Thibaut. if not the best, Thibaut Courtois. I, I think he is. He's a top five goalkeeper for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like, he eats top five goalkeepers for breakfast. Okay, I did not understand that. <laughs> I mixed two metaphors. <laughs> I mixed two sort of, you know what I mean? Like, he's a top four, top five keeper in his sleep, is what I should have said. Yes. Yeah, he's you know? incredible. Last year, he was the best keeper in the world, um, leading Real, him and Benzema, basically two-handedly dragging Madrid to an improbable Champions League title. And they even have a really excellent backup, Mignolet, who's mm-hmm. been playing really, really well for Club Brugge, had shutouts in four or five of the consecutive games. And then, mm-hmm. I can't remember, maybe it was like five League. of the six games he had yeah, a shutout. Yeah, four consecutive. So, mm-hmm. yeah, leading Club Brugge out of the of the Champions League group stage impressively. He's been in excellent form. He's a really, like, and, you know, he, I think he was actually underrated at times at Liverpool for his performance. Mm-hmm for certain years, especially that 2014 near title run. So he, I, that was a while ago, but I think he's a solid backup. They're in good shape there. And then um, Cohen Castells is the third goalkeeper. He's at Wolfsburg. He's just very solid. Mm-hmm. When you're like, okay, if everything goes... We don't need to talk about too much about the third goes, goalkeeper. Everything up, you're uh, like, okay, at least we still have a solid third goalkeeper. It's let's not... spend another five minutes on the third goalkeeper. Let's though. do it. I want to get really <laughs> deep into this. So that brings us to our the defense, mm-hmm. which arguably is the biggest problem in the team. They have, you know, they used to have a super reliable back three. It would feature Toby Aldevereld, Jan Vertonghen, both of Spurs at the time. Um, kind of Spurs legends, actually, mm-hmm. for this generation, this past generation. And company, right? Company, company was still there. For company for a lot, a while. And who's the other one? Um, the other one who's old now. Oh, is still on the team, you mean? No, no, no. He's not on the team anymore. Um, he was on tw- in 2020, then. Yeah, why am I blanking? He's like blank forty. Yeah, look um, up, look up famous Belgian defenders. I'll, I'll cover. I'll cover. I'll cover. So yeah, so these are they. They had some real legends in that defense, and um, you know who? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, just keep looking. Yeah. So <laughs> like, it couldn't be him. Oh, Vermeulen. Vermeulen. Yeah, yeah, yeah Vermeulen. I uh, forgot he was on the twenty twenty squad because he was not very good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he plays in Japan. Now. So <laughs> he was in Japan on the 2020 yeah, squad. Too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so he was. Um, one second, I'm gonna sneeze. Wait for it. No, don't don't touch that. I'll fuck it up. No sneeze. We're cool. Moving on. This is the been problem. A mess of the last minute. <laughs> the, and a half. Pro- the problem for the Belgian defense is that they're still starting Alderweireld and Vertonghen in the back. Mm-hmm. They're not as old as that sounds. Like Alderweireld's only 33. Vertonghen's 35. Nothing for an Italian. 
But if they were Italian players, (laughs) you'd say that's a pretty solid back line. And they now both play in the Belgian league. Um, clearly they're not, and they're they're not starting every week either. (laughs) Clearly they're not what they used to be. No, no judgment on them. That's just what happens. But they don't really have. They haven't really had the bridging generation to fill in and see that transition through. They have a couple of good young defenders coming up, some of whom, one of whom will start alongside those two. One is 19-year-old DeBost. He's a really talented prospect at Anderlecht. They have, um, they have Teot, who we've talked about on the podcast, playing really well for Ren right now. I think he's 22. Mm-hmm. There's a about phase Faz, who Lester brought in to replace uh, Fofana. He's got big, uh, big uh, floofy hair. Yeah, he's got big David Silva hair. I guess the better thing would be to to quote the Belgian with the floofy hair. What's his name? You know, remember the striker, big floof. Yeah, big um, he was a big staple of this Belgian team yeah, in the past Manchester years. United. What's this fucking name? God, we're terrible with memory wow, today. Yeah, Jesus. I'm are, so sorry. I've had way too much caffeine. To <laughs> yeah, I know. My brain is buzzing. Fellaini. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got wow, Fellaini. That here. was. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to the country of Belgium for our performance. And here. any Manchester United fan to yeah. forget Fellaini. He was so good for them. For he was a okay. Years. He was yeah. so underrated. <laughs> he was good for this Belgian team, and. Um, you may, American fans might remember him, his, his hair bouncing around in that 2016 or 2014 matchup with the, with the with United the States. Yeah. Was that the one where Tim Howard had a, yeah. just an insane Yeah. So game Tim Howard had the most single saves in world cup history in a match. Uh, and they almost, lo- and if, if Chris Wondolowski could fucking finish from 10 yards, they would have gone out. <laughs> Let's not fucking insult- Chris Wondolowski. No, it's not insult Chris Wondolowski. He had a, He's a nice guy. career for the U.S. team. He had a great no, he MLS didn't. career. Yes, he did. <laughs> not the U.S. team. Yes, he did. Maybe for the standard cup. that he was at. Fucking hell, dude. It's not for like the, he, he did for the San Jose Earthquakes. It's not like he was a world-class player. I'm not going to speak anymore about Chris Wondolowski or I'll fly out the window. <laughs> so. What are you? So, I was trying to get through the Chris Wondolowski memory. Okay. Um, there's, so there's some fr- frustration, I think, with this back line because obviously they're slow I think generally the thinking goes that slowness in the back doesn't affect international fixtures at tournaments as much as it does club level because for a number of reasons. Obviously, the pace of the game is usually slower. In this case, the fixture list is super cramped and they're in between a season, so fitness will be an issue, I think. like It'll help to have the five subs, but I think it'll definitely... People aren't going to be able to press the way they'd want to, typically. So... There's a, I guess there's an argument to be made that it won't make as big of a difference, but I think based on like, the level they play at, how often they play Alderweireld and Vertonghen, certainly I, don't, I wouldn't trust their level to up against some of the stronger teams in Europe or South America at this point. And so there's a question in the back. I should say, because they play a back three, I think having... It also kind of limits them because Teot can't play in the middle of a back three. He's never done it. And unlikely to. Be I assume able to pick Toby will or Vertonghen. It has to be Toby. He's yeah. really the only option that can play in the center of a back three, which I think is really limiting for them because. Yeah. I mean, Teot and Debast are both. Do you in think Teot or Debast will start? I think Teot should start. Um, I think but he might start Debast. I think an all Belgian league back there. Yeah. I the issue with starting Teot though is he plays the same side as Vertonghen, mm-hmm. and I think Vertonghen 
will start over Teot, even I though agree. I would even rather mistake, yeah. see Teot start. I agree. And DeBost plays on the right-hand side of that back mm-hmm. three. He's very comfortable there. The other option is Woodfeis, who's only played once for Belgium so far. And I think they kind of trust DeBost more to yeah. understand the back three and to fit with Alderweireld and Bertongen. There's well. also Dendonker, who mm-hmm. is listed as a defender, I think, on this roster, even though he plays mostly midfield for yeah. in the Premier League. He's now in Aston Villa now, formerly of of wolves so he's an option there yeah i could see him playing either side of the back three that probably not in the middle maybe he but... can maybe he'll sub in at some point i don't know yeah. that martinez is one of those is one of those myriad of international coaches that really sticks with his guys that he trusts mm-hmm. for 10 years <laughs> you know <laughs> even if they're no longer you know what they're it'll be interesting to see if he starts bitzel but we'll yeah. get to that as we move up the spine let's actually go to the wing backs. Mm-hmm. This who is... are a big part of how they want to play. And this one, I, I don't think this is their strongest group of players, but I think they're fine. I I think it's actually a really good group I think they're of fine. players. They got Mounier, mm-hmm. Torgan Hazard, and Castagna. Two of those three will probably start. Yeah, I mean, they also have Carrasco can play That's out true. there as well. So he's an option. Probably, mm-hmm. I think he's probably better just who playing starts on in the, left? the midfield. Do you think um, starts Torgan? I think Torgan starts on the or left. Or Mounier. I think it's Morgan. And Castagna on the right? Castagna on the right. Uh-huh. I really like Castagna. I think he's a very talented player. Um, I mean, I, it hasn't gone great for him since moving to the Prem, but mm-hmm. I think part of that's because you don't really get wingbacks yeah. like the way they use them in Italy and Germany Yeah. in the Prem. And Belgium play like those Italian and German style wingbacks when they use mm-hmm. the back three. So I think he could be a really, really key player for them. And I think he's going to put in a better performance mm-hmm. than you might expect him to. All right, let's go to the midfield two. Mm-hmm. Where we start entering one of the, I think, stronger parts of the team, mm-hmm. which are their midfield options. Options to start in that position, Tielemans, Witzel, Onana. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Tielemans could start further up in the, because they play a boxed midfield, right? Yeah. So there's be two sitting deeper, two ahead. De Bruyne will be one of those sitting ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they'll play... I think more of a forward up, like like Hazard, like Eden Hazard, yeah, Hazard maybe. has played up there before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually a more attacking option. I would to back up the striker. We'll get to this later, but I would expect the Catalar to be. I don't up know there if as well. Start. Yeah, I'm just saying up there as well. I yeah. saw it, like you had him listed as a midfield option. Oh yeah, I, I meant I just, for all the whole box okay. too. Yeah. I was gonna say I don't think of him as like yeah, one of the yeah. deeper options. I fully expect it to be Tielemans and probably. Witzel, probably I right. See Carrasco mm-hmm. as well, but again, I I think Carrasco could also be used out wide. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I do wonder. I mean, again, Dendonka could play in that back too. Mm-hmm. We could see. You know who I I wouldn't be shocked to see in that front too. Also is is Trossard, Leandro yeah. Trossard, I, who has been in the form of his fucking life yeah. at Brighton this year and has been fabulous. At the very least, he should be. One of the first guys off the bench for them, and frankly, what I, I wouldn't even start has Eden Hazard because he doesn't play, yeah, and he's probably not in shape. So, but you will, like, I feel like he probably will. As Belgium, you kind of have to start Eden Hazard. I guess. I feel like he'd be even better fit off the bench. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's where I expect Trossard to play. Yeah, off the bench. I would, if I was starting it, I would start Trossard up there, Mm -hmm. and probably Tielemans and Witzel. We should point out, Trossard also might not even be available for the first game. Mm-hmm. He is dealing with, like, just a knock, so he'll be mm-hmm. 
be fine probably by the second game to just play a full 90. Sure. But the first one, they might hold him out uh-huh. just to make sure he's fully healthy. We'll see. Yeah, and that's where De- I, where DeKitalaire would come mm-hmm. off the bench for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, they have done this before where they've gotten rid of the wingers, right? Yeah. So instead of playing a Hazard or a Doku and going a little wider with mm-hmm. their two midfielders, is that they've put De Bruyne a little more central and had basically DeKitalaire playing Shadow Striker next to Lukaku, which has worked really well for them before. That's a fun thing they can do in that box midfield is they can do a lot of intra-positional stuff. Yeah. Eden Hazard provides the same type of thing as well quite often. Yeah, like if, if the if the fullbacks are drop back or tuck in or something, mm-hmm. those the top of the bo- box midfield can like push up into more like attacking positions alongside the striker or, you know, they can interchange with the bottom two, the, the base of the midfield. There's a lot of stuff they can do. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much the strength of the team, you'd say, lies in this in this part of the system. Absolutely. Partially because of the quality of players they have. Like, Tielemans hasn't quite reached the heights that he did, you know, a year and a half, two and a half years ago with Leicester and when they are competing for fourth place those two years in a row. But he's still, a, you know, a really quality player. Still likely to get a move to a bigger club sometime in the near future. So... He's, you know, he's, I feel like he's played pretty well for Belgium when he's had the chance. Absolutely. And um, up front is interesting. Oh, there's also Doku. I forgot about Doku. Uh, yeah, Doku, Doku, one of the fastest, dribbliest yeah, boys. I don't, I don't know how good he's been since in France. Reed. He's not been yeah, great. He he's, hasn't taken off the way we might have thought lot, after Euro he's 2020. He's had a lot of injuries throughout his time in uh, at Rennes, and he's kind of like mm-hmm. slowly not really grabbed a starting spot and just kind of been... Yeah, after like one of those Euro 20, options. we thought he would be, mm-hmm. like a year and a half ago, we thought he was going to, oh, yeah. it's going to kill and he him. he followed it up. His first year at Ren, he <clears> was great. Yeah. Uh, but then he's just had a lot of injuries. But yeah. when he comes on, he could be a huge difference for them as yeah. well. He's so fast. So they have a lot of options ball. there. And they also will feel okay about the number nine because obviously they want you want Lukaku there. He's been a crazy long tenured player for them. He and Vitzel have been there forever in yeah. the national setup. And... You know, they they really like to play through him. In that number nine position, there's been a lot of questions about whether he'll be really fit to play properly. Yeah. And we'll have to wait and see, I guess. But the good news for them is that their perennial backup, Batshuayi, has rediscovered his form this year and is playing really, really well in Turkey. Mm-hmm. So if, <clears throat> if he has to play more often than they'd maybe expect or hope, then I don't think they're losing quite as much as they normally would. And they did also bring uh, Louis Openda at Bon, who has been pretty solid in the French League. He's only 22. Bon. No? Bon. What? He's only 22. Uh, he did score in their warm-up game, so maybe they have a little bit of faith in him if Lukaku isn't ready to go. That you know They still have two solid options up top. Yeah. But yeah, injury concerns for this team I definitely think are present. I mean, mm-hmm. you look... Uh, just on their current injury list, I mean, Lukaku and Trussard being questionable. Even Hazard definitely not being in full fitness. Yeah. Uh, the back line, you just look at you know, stamina issues because of the age for a lot of the starters. And Can they still get it up? We yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So my, I guess my, I have a couple of takes on, on Belgium here. Okay. I think, I don't think this is their last hurrah. Like, I think we're going to say this one more tournament at the next Euros. Because they'll still be the De Bruyne's of the world. They have a decent class of young ki- kids coming in that we all of which we've mentioned so far. So it's not like it's not like they're passing it on to nobody. 
Absolutely. You know, I don't, so I think it's going to be, they're going to be more, they're going to be a sustainable nation at this point, delivering decent talent. Part of it is because the Belgian league has become such a hotbed for youngsters, international, but it also helps bring up their own national kids. Mm -hmm. A lot of whom we see are starting in these, on these Belgian teams. So it's great for development. I think it's sustainable. I don't know if like title contention is sustainable, but they're, they're going to be a solid, like competitive team for a long time. It looks yeah, like. Absolutely. So I don't think that's like a all or bust, you know, if they don't win a title with this team, I don't quite have that opinion. Um, and also they have one of the five best players in the world period Yeah. in Kevin De Bruyne. So, and he's not going anywhere just yet. Yeah. I do think speaking of the development, they've also, you know, they've always had that relationship with sending players to France, mm -hmm. but recently they've done a really good job of sending young players to Italy to develop as well. Teat, Castagna, De Ketelaire are the notable ones who moved over to Italy at a young age and have been able to really grow as players by stepping up into a league that isn't afraid to like bleed kids who are kind of in their young 20s. Uh, France does the same thing as Is well. Is that legal? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, you can bleed anybody. Damn, Italy's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's a really important thing for them is like having a good domestic league allows them to then send players to even better leagues to develop, you know, after they get their feet mm -hmm. wet in Belgium. Um, and then you did mention <coughs> De Bruyne. You know, he's 31 though. So next yeah. World Cup, he'll be 35. Yeah, I, yeah no, I think the Euros. Yes. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the World Cup. Yeah, no, I think he'll go to one more World Cup. I don't, yeah. I doubt he'll be like, I could see him pushing on until, I mean, people are aging so gracefully now that... Mm -hmm. And it feels like the way age gracefully or totally yeah. disastrous. I, I have a hard time seeing that. Even if he's not, even if he's like 80% of himself, that's still a really good player. He's also not super reliant necessarily on his physical attributes because he's yeah. so smart and such he, a good I think, passer. I mean, he can't, he has crazy physical attributes, but oh, yeah, I don't but think uh, he'll need them as much getting mm -hmm. old. I was saying because he has I think he other could, like yeah. tactical skills. He has the chance to ability. age more like a Modric mm -hmm. if he, if, you know, plus he's got in the, in a generation that has had access to all of the cutting edge shit yeah in a way that, that i think that's improved so much in the last five years that maybe that'll along it but we digress it's crazy to think he's the same age as eden hazard i know right they're, they're they, like they, on two different paths aren't they yeah, they feel very different two ages. different divergent paths so here's my two feelings okay i don't think they're a title contender mm -hmm. i do think i do think that things could go in one of two ways i think they could sort of perform like they have in the past where it's like they still get out of the group. They still can make a little run to the quarterfinals or even the semis. Depending on, you know, things still clicking, they still have the players to do it in important positions. Or they could get too stale. Martinez could get too stubborn about adjustments. And they could get pipped in this group. Mm-hmm. Which is because it's a strong group, and we'll it get is, to the other team. And this is really actually group. spoilers. It's, this is my favorite group. In it's the World good. Cup. Every team is good. This is by far is. my favorite team, my favorite group to watch. I'm so excited about this group. We have Morocco, who probably the second best African team. Uh -huh. Canada, the best North American team. Yeah. Croatia, defending finalists. Like yeah. Part of, and part of it. Group. Part of the fun of this group is that I don't know what Belgium's gonna look like. Yeah. Or like we do know what they'll look like. We just don't know how well they'll look at doing what they do. Um, I, I think I a think... big key here is Roberto Martinez like trusting some of these fun young kids. Like mm -hmm. his substitutions, I think are gonna make a huge difference in this group. Like mm -hmm. who does he bring in and when and how much can some of this next generation impact these games late? I think the key is gonna be Lukaku. And his yeah. performances, because if he's playing well, then I think this is 
a team that can compete with everybody in the competition. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't count them out. They're another one game. of those teams that, like Denmark, they could win any single game mm-hmm. against anybody. Yeah, but you just don't. But that, I wouldn't back them to win any single game against anybody three times in a row. Yeah. Or four times in a row yeah. at this um, point. Yeah, so I think the key's Until they be, prove more. I think, I think the key's going to be Lukaku and probably Eden Hazard's performances because I think everyone else, you kind of know what to expect, right? You know they're either really, really good or maybe not up to, yeah. to the quality, but these two guys, it's a little more of a question mark as to how they'll play. Let's talk about Canada. Yeah. So excited to talk about Canada. Love Canada. Uh, their first yeah. World Cup, as I mentioned, since 86. Mexico 86. Nike honored this huge moment by them, for them by not making them new uniforms, which uh, <laughs> stuck with their old ones that look like AYSOU 12 templates. Mm-hmm. Shame on you, Nike. Uh, it's a bit of an embarrassment, and I think the team's pretty mad about it. So shame on them. Yep, um, they deserve. Was... Everyone deserves to have the World Cup kit that marks these special moments. That like you, th- you think in these four-year cycles as an international team that's competing for the World Cup, and like the kit release is a huge moment. Everybody snaps them up. You can be proud of them. And sometimes, not like the, we didn't even mention the Belgians have the worst kid I've ever seen. <laughs> so bad. They got little Guy Fieri flames. But I like Dude, Guy Fieri. They're so bad. Dino I'll talk about it. and Dives is a great I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a thing about kits later in a separate, in a separate episode, but it's a, it's a total waste and it's a real shame for Canadian fans who have waited so long, decades to return to the world cup and they're and now they have nothing cool to show for it like the women have a really great kit with a maple leaf outline and it's like they could have couldn't they just adapted that like what the fuck anyway yeah, uh, jonathan david covered the nike logo badass. after he scored for canada which yeah seems a little protest like yeah hey, it was. Like, what the fuck it was man? badass but yeah so canada's fun in 2018 when john herdman took charge they were ranked 94th in the world they're now ranked 41st, and I honestly think that's low. I think that's not fair. FIFA ratings are really slow to change. They are, time. because even though they didn't make the final round of... Sorry, let me redo that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we're going to leave it in, because it's all about the process. Yeah. It's all about the process. I'm human, too. You, you know, you are... might think I'm some sort of elite god uh, and, at this podcast. Let's <laughs> <laughs> think I'm some sort of god at podcasting, but, you know, I'm human. I make mistakes. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of them in a row. So Canada didn't even make the final round of CONCACAF qualifying for Russia 18 when it was the hexagonal. They finished third in a group behind Mexico and Honduras, thus not advancing to that hexagonal. It's now the octagonal. That was the last where it was the final round of CONCACAF qualifying was missed, six teams. It's now eight. I missed the hex. Yeah. For those who don't know, three teams automatically qualify from the hex, now the oct. The fourth goes into qualifying against another against a, uh, a playoff against another continent. Mm-hmm. So Canada wasn't even in the top five in CONCACAF based on FIFA rankings entering the 22 qualifying campaign. That meant they had to come first in a qualifying group and then a subsequent playoff against Haiti, those two-legged, just to get into the octagonal. So they weren't in the top five (laughs) in FIFA rankings in CONCACAF. Crazy. Then they went and won the damn octagonal. They finished above the U.S. and Mexico. They did not lose either one of those teams. They collected eight out of 12 points from them. So, yeah, two two home wins, two draws away. Yeah, Very really, impressive. really strong performance in qualifiers. Yeah. So that's why I think they should be ranked a little higher here. The U.S. and Mexico are in the teens, and Canada wiped the floor with them in, <laughs> in qualifying. So I had FIFA rankings, so many problems with them, but maybe we should do a special episode on that. 
one these of these days and why they're just really bad yeah, yeah like it's totally they're totally not representative of recent competition not at all so yeah which is stupid because it's not it's like it's one thing if the fifa rankings are like just eye candy you know to be like oh look at how these compare but it's another thing when they actually affect these like rankings going into pots for mm-hmm. tournaments you know it's crazy yeah, i mean we've seen it in uh like qualifiers a lot like switzerland seems to always get a really nice group because they're a pot one team based on their fifa ranking and no but everyone's like how is switzerland a pot one team when yeah. you've had like italy and france have been in pot two and then was it germany recently was in pot two and yeah, got just, i still think they're just not Portugal, representative like... of and they, and they don't take into account every competition mm-hmm. which is also a mistake yeah. but i digress again one of canada's sticks is that they're hardcore in tactical flexibility mm-hmm. it's like their whole thing they can dominate possession against worse teams or sit back and soak up tons of pressure and counter against better team or quote unquote better teams. Uh, the latter is obviously more likely at this world cup stage, given who they're playing Belgium and especially Croatia who want so much of the ball. They want to move the ball up and down quickly and use their pace regardless though of what they're doing. That is because they have Alfonso Davies who's, Really one of the best fullbacks in the world for Bayern Munich, but on Canada he plays much higher up and plays left wing rather than the left mm-hmm. flank or left back. Sometimes he'll even tuck in and play some like creative ten. It's really fun to watch him play that far advanced. And yeah, basically, um, another player to point out who plays his normal position, Davies at Bayern, is Samuel uh, Adekubbe, who plays at Hadespor. He plays in that left back role. He'll like barrel wide. Mm-hmm. An overlap Davies, and then Davies can tuck into like that mid half space, um, and they can combine on the sides, okay, using their collective speeds. Yeah, uh, one player that I really like for this team is Jonathan Iceman David. Oh, he's beautiful. Uh, he's an incredible striker. He's been really, really good for Lille this season. Nine goals has been for a couple of years too. Yeah, nine goals in Liga so far this Sick. year. Sick. Which I people believe... don't talk about him very much. No, I believe that's the highest of any non-PSG player. Really? Yeah. Cool. Um, so he's been really good. I mean, the only bigger team I've seen him link to is Milan, and that's just because That'd be cool. every Lille player seems to go to Milan. Guess where he was born? Uh, was he Jonathan David? Yeah. I'm going to guess uh, Brampton. Brooklyn. Oh, he's... Yeah. What up, Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah, like half the team is from Brampton. Though. <laughs> yeah. He's from Brooklyn. He moved to... his Haitian parents. Mm-hmm. So they, he moved back to Haiti as a baby, and then they all immigrated to, to Canada, Canada, to Ottawa. We should point out that he's not the only good player on this team. He and Alfonso Davies. They also have Tajan Buchanan. Love Buchanan. Brugge, who's been... Formerly of New England Revolution. Yeah, he took the MLS by storm. How old is Buchanan? I think he's 22. He's 22 also? I believe so. Damn. Might be God, I love these Canadians. 23 now. Okay. 23 now. I but, love this Canadian team, man. Yeah. So young. Liam Miller at Basel, another good goal scorer for them. Uh, Kyle Laren. Club Brugge, mm-hmm. striker who dominated the MLS for a couple years, and then he's a little older. Fell off. Alfonso yeah. Davies is also 22. Yeah, I forget how young he is. So some of their best players are 22, 23. All of their best players. Yeah, I think one issue with this team though is that when you look at it, it's very like attack heavy. Uh, so like I have questions. There's a lot of question marks defensively for this team, but they played really well defensively in Concacaf qualifiers. Yeah, they can sort of play on a string mm-hmm. as a defensive block. Yeah. And which they will do against, I think, probably all of these teams. They're unlikely to have more than 45% possession against any of these three teams, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and But yeah, they'll, they'll want to soak up that pressure and then 
hit that left flank with, you know, the wing back with, with Adekugbe and of course Davies mm-hmm. and then combine with Lorin and David up front. We should also mention that Alfonso Davies is, Buchanan. is hurt. Yeah. So he is just coming back from an injury. That could play a factor. Which if he's not a hundred percent, that's going to be really, really difficult for Canada to overcome. He's easily the best player. Mm-hmm. One of the best players right now in the world. And if he's not healthy, he's Edmonton's own. Yeah. One of, one of the few players from Western Canada <laughs> in the team too. So um, also fun fact about Herdman, the manager, he is now the first person to manage at both the women's and the men's world cup. Very cool. Cause he was Canadian women's manager at the 2012 and 2016 Canadian through world and cup. through. Is he even Canadian? I don't think so. I think he's English. I think he is English. Pretty sure he's English. Damn. Yeah. Um, Damn. But yeah, if you're looking for like breakout players, there's a ton. Just go to their squad yeah. and point to a random name on the list, and you that's probably your breakout player. Yeah, you probably won't know. That's what's fun is that you don't really know about most of them, but a lot of them, not only solid players in their own right, but are play are are utilized so well in this system mm-hmm. that's really flexible and adaptive. And I think I think Canada could be a tournament favorite. At the World Cup, even if they don't get through. Not favorite for, to win. Oh, but oh, like a, a fan favorite. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Even if they don't get out of the group, I think they have the potential. Like, one team that was like that in 2018 was Peru. They only won their last game. They lost their first two narrowly. But they were, like, really, really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And captured some imagination. I think that could be Canada, but with an extra little edge, you know. Yeah. And I think they will they will cause some grief for at least one team in this group. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, ranked all the teams on how much I wanted to see them uh-huh. win the World Cup. I came out so low because I was like, I just can't. Could you imagine the shame as an American if Canada wins the World care. Cup before us? I don't care. I would. I love this team. I had them just above Mexico. I wish Mexico. this was our team. <laughs> I had them just above Mexico because I was like, it could be a little funnier if it's Canada. I wish this was our team because oh, same. Because at least this team would make me proud. <laughs> these, these guys are great. Watch Canada. They're awesome. Um, let's go to Morocco. Yeah. So Morocco, one of those teams that got a coach really recently, they got, his name is Walid Valid Regraugi, <laughs> Regraugi, Regragi, Regragi. Yeah, sure. I'm Regragi, 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 Regragi. I should have looked that up, pronunciation up before. Mm-hmm. The good news though, is that the former coach had frozen out both Akeem Ziyech and Masrawi, who are two of their best players, if yeah. not their two best players, um, which is ridiculous. Uh, he had some sort of disagreements with those players. Obviously, having them back is a big deal for them. Absolutely. Just because of the sheer talent alone. This is a quote from Leon Tharam of The Athletic, who wrote a lot of the World Cup previews um, that we consulted before a lot of these. In the two September friendlies, Rigraugi's only games in charge, Morocco have played a 4-3-3 with one holding midfielder, inverted wingers, and advancing fullbacks. They're an exciting, fluid, and expansive attacking side who look to build from the back, but attack with pace, which turns to a 4-1-4-1 out of possession. Mm-hmm. So that's a good sign for viewers <laughs> because I, they're not going to be a Tunisia or, you know, a team. I feel like a lot of three or the third or fourth favorite in a group tends going to play some boring football. That's not going to be Morocco. We should also point out that they did just beat Georgia 3-0 mm-hmm. in a friendly Fart Skelly did not play, so his uh, consecutive unbeaten <laughs> run still holds. But uh, they did use that. They used a 3 4 3 in this one, uh-huh. which was kind oh, of interesting. interesting. They switched uh, it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know how likely this is to be the squad that they 
use a tournament or who did they play so uh, they played Akimi official, in the back three well Saiz is listed as the left back uh, or the left wing back so it's like I think it was just a very like fluid like these are uh, our general defenders and these are our general <laughs> midfielders these are our general attackers maybe Saiz more of a five is, two three than a mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't like that. I, I don't like this. I don't like that at all for them. But I, I mean, think it, it was experimental. Yeah. You know. I think four three they make sense for them given mm-hmm. their personnel. The thing with them is that they have just such good wing backs. Like it makes sense for them to, especially if Ziak, Ziak, Ziak is on the left of that. You'd think he'd be on the right, no? Yeah, I think that was. I think that's so. Wrong. Yeah, with, I think with, he was on the right side with the front field. three that. He properly utilizes ZX's natural position, mm-hmm. which is to be on the right flank. And then, as Liam Tarn pointed out, then you could have, you know, the wing, the the the, the uh, right back gun up on the other side of him. Mm-hmm. That being Akimi, yeah, in who this case, very very good. Who's really good, one of the best fullbacks in the world, especially at bombing forward and getting into right. attacking position. Yeah, I would hate to play against Ziek and Akimi on one side. Yeah, with Marau- Mar- Masrawi gunning up the left, that's like a lot of flank attack that i would yeah. not want to have to deal with if you're looking for a player comparison for hakimi if you're not familiar with him or haven't seen him since he's been at psg it's like kind of like a reese james or Teo hernandez type where they're almost always like up in the other side mm-hmm. right like the, they are an attacker first a defender second yeah yeah this is the this is the type of thing that but he can defend so it's not that like i would be concerned about as a belgian fan if i yeah. if i'm if jan vertongen is on the left side of mm-hmm. a three and you've got hakimi and 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 uh zh like running at you (laughs) like i'd be like holy shit you know (laughs) you'd have to really be relying on carrasco or torgan hazard there in defense tucking back on the left side so yeah i think against a team like that it's absolutely possible that they could surprise some like an opponent like belgium and exploit some of their some of their weaknesses Uh, yeah i think they i I wouldn't have fun playing them no Uh, there are i think questions around the striker for this team, not and necessarily central midfield. Yeah, but not necessarily in terms of talent. I actually think they have talented strikers, and and Naziri, Bufal, and Hamdala are all pretty good. Hamdala is like a little older now and plays in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. I think. But he's been good before. He always seems to put in really good performances for Morocco. He got the number nine kit, which might be an indication he's supposed to start. But I mean, I feel like you have to start. Buffal, unless you also maybe plan to use him on the left because mm-hmm. he's been really good for Angers and been like a little bit of a surprise package in Liga. not like not great but the fact that they're holding their own i yeah. think is a bit of a surprise to a lot of people so we'll see he's <clears throat> hasn't scored much for Angers though so mm-hmm. we'll see if he's like the guy they choose at number nine yeah and i think in the same way that the belgium defense could be a nice matchup for the the wide attack of Morocco, their center mid position is ripe to be exploited by Croatia in particular. Yeah. Who we're about to get to, but has some of the best central midfielders in the world, technically, who I feel like can really, really have the chance to boss a game against a team that's weak in midfield. Yeah. I mean, we should, Amrabat is a really high quality yeah. player. He's, we'll get where, yeah, I was going to talk about He's very, very good, but, but who else really, is in the midfield? That's the issue. It's like yeah. outside of him is who else do you have that can right help you control midfield and he's very good but he's not a world-class player so he's not gonna be able to do it all by himself against the talent of like croatia or belgium's midfield yeah and in the center back position i you'd think likely to be captain roman saiz Mm -hmm. bashik does now is a little older at 32 
And Nyef Egward, 26-year-old, just moved to West Ham. Mm-hmm. Still settling in a little bit, but a really player who should be entering his prime. They'll have to put in some good performances in this group mm-hmm. to try to keep some of the goals out. But yeah, as we mentioned, think- Amrabat, 26, Fiorentina player, really good central midfielder. Been playing well, right? Yeah, he's been playing really, really yeah. well. Yeah. Oh, one of a conference league alum here. Mm-hmm. Current conference league player. Good in the conference league. But yeah, who else is who else is in this midfield who's mm-hmm. gonna who's gonna make sure they have control of the game? I don't know. I would expect. I don't them. know. If, I don't even know if they need that. But yeah, with the, with their they, attackers, but I don't think they do. It just could be. It just hope. could be a place to exploit. Mm-hmm. I do wonder how much we'll get to see Mesrawi. Like, will he be playing center back for them? Mm-hmm. And if so, how often does he get in the games? Because he's yeah. very talented, but at Bayern, he's mostly been deployed in kind of like a Benjamin Pavard type of right mm-hmm. back situation, where it's he's a right back, but he's just like basically another center back. Yeah. So on this team, it doesn't seem like that's what they want to do with their fullback. So yeah. Another another thing is against Canada in that matchup. Who is they have to make sure that they are protected when their wingbacks go flying forward, mm-hmm. so as that excellent Canada forward line can't easily, you know, pip them for goals on the other end. I say pip too often. Yeah, what one. else do you have to say about Morocco? Uh, one other player I want to point out is Zakaris Aboukalal, who's at Toulouse. He's been pretty good. Uh, he's only 22. Is he a Toulouse product, Academy product? I don't believe he is. Because Toulouse have a really fun little system. Mm-hmm. He... Uh, you should know you're collect- connected to Toulouse now. You're... Oh, yeah, we're owned by the same person. Yeah. Us and Milan and Toulouse are mm-hmm. the same person. He came through PSV's academy okay. and then moved to Azed for his kind of like breakout mm-hmm. uh, performances. And now at Toulouse, he's scored three goals in 10 games. He's capable of playing kind of across the front line. How many, of their, how many of their best players came from the Dutch League? <laughs> Toulouse? All, or the Moroccans? The, the Moroccans. All of them. <laughs> so many. So Did Akimi, was Akimi, Where was Akimi first? Akimi was... Don't say the Netherlands. No, I don't know. Because Ziyech, Ajax. He was at Real, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ziyech, Ajax, Mizrawi, Ajax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a. Uh... This Zakuris kid. Mm-hmm. Hakimi PSV. is from Madrid. So uh, yeah. Oh, he's from Madrid. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot of a good amount of these players have a, a lot of connections to Spain. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, notably, we should also mention Brahim Diaz has been. Uh, attempted to be called up multiple times by Morocco. Yeah, uh, that'd be he, sweet. That would, I think he would fit the team really, really yeah. well. But he seems like to identify as Spanish and want to play for Spain. Yeah, so. we talked about who the most talented squads were from Africa, suggesting it could be Senegal. In, when we talk about Group A, this is the other candidate. I think. Oh, definitely. Who have the best argument? I think uh, Ivory Coast also has a lot of talent. They mm-hmm. unfortunately didn't make the tournament. I would yeah. like to see them qualifying from Africa. It's tough. Really man. tough. Stuff way it's structured and sometimes you just get unlucky like nigeria for instance drew ghana and we're gonna get to ghana soon uh nigeria on paper should was a better team than ghana and like on paper theoretically should have gotten through that didn't so we've gone and like a kind of weird ghana team instead mm-hmm. tunisia was lucky enough to draw mali no yeah. disrespect but they should win that and mali are a solid team they played well in that game but yeah those are two of the weakest teams in that draw who did so- ivory coast lose to in qualifying um i don't know but egypt had to play senegal yeah egypt are also one of the strongest teams there's also just like so many good teams in africa and not 
a lot of like great teams like yeah. you have in i would they lost ivory coast lost to cameroon who's another really, really talented yeah. team i i would say probably if i had to just guess off the top of my head morocco and senegal most talent mm-hmm. next tier ivory coast and cameroon i would put egypt in that and next egypt year. maybe yeah mm-hmm. we don't talk about egypt though but do you have anything else to add about Morocco before right we move now. on? We're we being really on. long-winded yeah. right now. Oh, expectations. But it's just my favorite group. So, oh, expectations. I think do do them proud. Prove some people that it's a now a footballing nation. I think they can get out. Of the group. I think they can get out of the I group think they too. Can get out of the group. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure. I'll pick them to get out of the group. Like I was flirting with it for a while. Mm-hmm. But my practical side is maybe coming back. We'll see. We'll but see. I think this is a team that like if if the rest of the teams in this group aren't well prepared for them, they could pull some surprises yeah. for sure. All right, let's move on to Croatia, the last team in the group. They were the runners-up at the 2018 World Cup, put in a great performance, beat England in the semifinals before losing to France. They uh, have also just kind of still been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they topped their Nations League group with France and Denmark. Yeah, they did. So, Four of six points off France, six of six off, off Austria. Or not Austria. Off uh, Denmark. Off Denmark. Yeah. They lost to Austria once. Yeah, and Austria are a solid team as well, yeah. so there's no shame in that. Yeah, they line up in their classic 4-3-3. They control possession, use their flanks to create. Perisic on the left is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. He'll play up front. His crossing and passing ability is really important to them in that final third. Their real strength, though, is their midfield. They have an exceptional midfield. They'll start Modric, Brozovic, and Kovacic, most, more than likely, barring injuries. And, I mean, that's up there for the best, or one, if not one of the best, Mm-hmm. midfields in the tournament with spain and maybe a couple others i guess uh, even if you're building like a club team this yeah. would be one of the best midfields of any potential yeah. club team it really right? offers a lot like kovacic it's... can sit back a little bit in the mm-hmm. six or brozovic brozovic is like the six for yeah. this team but you're right kovacic can they can also both they can do a little, little bit of the dirty work and... but they also have the quality especially with brozovic and especially with modric mm-hmm. Where they can really they can really just sort of ping passes anywhere, control the game at will. It's also a good combination. Modric, lack of physicality has been yeah. like his one weakness his entire career. Mm-hmm. But Brozovic and Kovacic really make up for that and like yeah. can be very physical when they need to be, both possess a good amount of pace. Yeah. So the midfield as a whole, it's just it's super well built having yeah. those three together. I'd say where they're definitively weaker than they were when they made the final in twenty eighteen is up front alongside Perisic. Obviously, Mario Romantuk, which was kind of a local legend. He was a fabulous player. Made a couple Champions League finals with Juve. He was just a really good player and really clinical, and they don't have that level of quality in that position anymore. Also, I feel like Rebic was in good form back then when he was starting on the right in the World Cup, and he's not really... He was injured, wasn't he, for a while? I mean, he's also... For Milan. He was last year. He's come back. I... Thought that was a really rubbish. Didn't even make the team. Yeah, that's I was about to say. It's a yeah. really surprised lack of inclusion because I think when I look at this team, I'm like, okay, Petkovic, that and Kremerich, those players make sense to bring yep. to Rebic because they offered something different than him. Kremerich is solid, like playing decently for Hoffenheim, I think. Mm-hmm. But like Levaya and Budimir, I'm like, Rebic does what they do, but better. is Rebic not? Is I thought it was like a fitness thing. No, he's playing. He just didn't. He just got. He just off. doesn't start for Milan. Mm. He's typically a sub. But yeah. when I look at the team, I'm like, he's a good sub. Yeah, a little surprised then. Yeah, you don't really want Perisic to play ninety, and Rebic can also play that left wing. Mm. Uh, he can play up top. Probably yeah. not his best position anymore. Probably yeah. more isolated, just being a left winger. Interesting. Maybe that's why they were like, oh, we won't bring him. But yeah. So I wonder. I wonder what the what those other two will look like. I think Kramaric will be in there somewhere. But does he play nine or on the right? 
I think Petkovic could be Petkovic, nine. Vlasic. Vlasic. I, I, Vlasic, Vlasic could be, be in there. I think uh, on the wing. Okay. Uh, even Orsic could start up top. Like Orsic, for some reason, has never left Zagreb, but every time he plays a big team in like the Europa League or something, he like he like <laughs> like kills them. Like any Premier, a bunch of Premier League teams have felt his sting yeah. in the last couple of years. He had that ridiculous hat trick against Tottenham a few years ago. I think I think West Ham, like Arsenal, are all have all been his victims. I mean. Chelsea, he played Chelsea, great that against was it. Chelsea. It wasn't Arsenal, it was yeah. Chelsea. He played great against Chelsea. So maybe they need Orsic to like be a key off the bench or something. I don't know. Yeah. I think and it just he, comes down to who's going to finish the he ball. He knows how to play with Petkovic as well. Uh-huh. Um, we should also mention, uh, this is going back to Rebic, not included. He and the manager have a lot of issues personally oh, okay. as well. So that was probably what, did the key. Did he like sleep with back. his wife or something? No, um, they just like one, Rebic isn't from Zagreb. So that is a big knock against him. Uh-huh. He was a Hajduk split guy. Uh, two, just, they just had their personal differences. Uh, Rebic has had some public complaints about him. Interesting. Uh, okay. So they don't get along well. That explains some of it. Yeah. But um, I also want to point out that Mario Pazalic can play in the midfield, but I think he could also be seen on the right wing for this team, mm-hmm. which he's not going to be a true wide player, but it's kind of like a playmaker over there a little further up than you would typically see him. Mm-hmm. Could be an option. So they have, I think, pieces on the right and central that could create a lot of different matchups depending on who they're playing yeah so makes sense they lack like a true star there they have quality options yeah well yeah i think basically like can they finish can they create enough chances and then finish those chances obviously they'll have control of games Mm -hmm. and they'll pass the ball around a lot and maybe be a little too slow for the for my personal taste at times but should should have the quality to get out of this group probably but i don't think anybody's safe in this group yeah. i also Trust think me. they also have you know they lauren is probably still gonna play in the back somehow <laughs> maybe he's i mean he, they, they can't similar. quit lauren dude no they can't the... he's somehow how is he playing at zenit St. petersburg get out of safe get out of yeah, russia leave, man. <laughs> maybe he has a contract he can't break i don't know um, but they also have guardiol Bardio Urlich has been the really the 20-year-old Leipzig player. He's really he's really good. Mm-hmm. You'd, and Such, yeah, both Leipzig players. You'd think Guardiola would start. Yeah, I would hope he does. I mean, I could see Sutolo starting in the back as well. He's been kind of having a breakout season with Sassuolo. Uh-huh. Not Sutolo, um, Urlich. Yeah. Sorry, I was moving ahead to then talk about Sutolo, who's also an option uh-huh. in that back line, and he's a really promising youngster as yep. well. So I think there's options in the back line, but I don't know what they'll do. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's a clear starting pair, which could be an issue. Yeah. Uh, and then at goalkeeper, it's Livakovic, Zagreb. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Like, big, uh, if you play FM, yeah. sign him. <laughs> <laughs> like, right away. That should be one of your first transfers. <laughs> so good in FM. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And he was really good in the Champions League as well. So, you know, it's, he has the quality in real uh-huh. life as well. But, yeah, when I was looking at like potential breakout players, I was like, Ehrlich, Gvardiol, Sutolo, uh, basically everyone in their defense except Lovren, <laughs> who's old. Uh, Lovren is old. Yeah. And they also How old is Lovren? 33. He's 33. Okay. He feels older, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. They also have Luka Sucic in the midfield. He's only 20 at Leipzig. He's a pretty exciting player. Uh-huh. Uh, you could see him. Kind of as like a substitute for that midfield three when they do they change things up. Uh-huh. And with five subs, more chances for him. Yeah. All right. All right. 
What are your expectations for Croatia? I think very expectations would be to get out of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is once they do that, they'll likely draw Spain or Germany, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's not ideal. No. But because Spain or Germany will likely finish 1-2 in some way. So they can't really avoid them either way, One of mm-hmm. either of them. So I think just to start, get out of the group, see what happens from there. I think they're still they're still feeling good after the World Cup four years ago, so I don't think they'll I don't think they have any expectations to necessarily do that again because that was pretty special and unique. But I think they will fancy themselves easily one of the two best teams in this group. Yeah. All right. Should we do our predictions for the group? We should. I'm I'm trying to change them live because okay. <laughs> I just have no idea. I think before we start this, I wouldn't be surprised at any result in this group at all. No. I think- like I think Morocco and Canada could finish one too. <laughs> like yeah. I think. They could both go out. I don't think any game is predictable. I think it's going to be really, really tight and come down to, like, goal difference. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. All right. That's a good prediction. But the first game uh-huh. is going to be Belgium and Canada. And Morocco-Croatia. I have two 1-1 yeah. draws here okay, I have to start Bel- us off, start I the chaos off. Belgium beating Canada 1-0 because uh-huh. Davies will not be good that game. Yeah, like, right. he's that's, not probably, be, that's probably fair. It's not going to be a fully healthy player. Mm-hmm. I don't think Canada will be able to create... A ton of opportunities without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have Croatia beating Morocco 2-1. I think the midfield battle there is just so heavily in Croatia's favor. I agree. But, all right. Second match day is November 27th. That's uh-huh. a Sunday, which is nice. You yep. Know, go to Sundays church. are lovely. Come back, watch some football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the real church is the football yeah. field. So we have Belgian, Morocco, Croatia, Canada. Okay. I have two more draws. Wow, you love your draws. I, I think this group's going to be wild. I have 2-2 Belgium-Morocco. Okay. And I have nil-nil Croatia-Canada. Yeah, I think I have Morocco 2-1 over Belgium. Uh-huh. I think this is one, like, we've talked about Zayac and, or Zayac and Hakimi getting to attack probably Vertonghen. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good opportunity for Morocco to exploit some weaknesses in Belgium. Uh-huh. And then Croatia and Canada, I have 2-2. Uh-huh. I think Croatia's lack of experience in the back line could bite them against some really, really good attackers. Mm-hmm. But I expect them to have a lot of the ball and to mm-hmm. score some goals as well. Final match day is December 1st. Bring in the new month with Canada and Morocco. I have another draw, 2-2. <laughs> That's five straight draws. Wow. I have this one finishing 1-1. I have a draw as well. And then mm-hmm. Croatia and Belgium. This one, I have Belgium winning 3-2 in the first non-draw result of the group wow i kind of wanted to pick them all on three points and have it come down to like goal scored and like yellow cards yeah, the group after, yeah. <laughs> like the group after the europa league yeah yeah i have belgium winning this one two one over croatia so basically that leaves belgium in mind winning the group with five points mm-hmm. and then i have canada croatia and morocco all on three <laughs> i have um, belgium on six croatia morocco on four I'll have to double check my head to head and like. Oh, I'm sorry. I have Croatia on two. Apologies. Yeah. So that, yeah, never mind. Ignore me. All right. You tell, you talk about yeah. yours while I figure out the math. So I have Belgium <laughs> on six, Croatia, Morocco, both on four. I have yep. to double check my tiebreakers. But uh-huh. I think the way I had it, Croatia would go through. Uh-huh. And then I have Canada on two points coming in last, but like a very competitive okay. last place. Got yeah. you. So Canada and Morocco are both on three points here. Mm-hmm. And they've all drawn, drawn thrice. And I just have to count their goals scored. You have Morocco going Five, through. and then Canada has, yeah, Hannah has fewer. So I have Morocco going through with three points. <laughs> Canada on goals scored coming third. And Croatia actually, 
I didn't think I wouldn't have Croatia going through here, but I managed to do it anyway. Yeah, it's just, it feels... I just, I like Morocco. I don't know. And I also like Canada. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, I don't, it's not, I don't trust Croatia or Belgium. Yeah. The other issue with I really Croatia don't know what's going to happen in this group, is though. That there's really only, like, three starters that are in their prime for Croatia. That's yeah. Kovacic, Petkovic, probably a starter. Yeah. And Vivakovic. Everyone else is either really young mm-hmm. and still developing or older. Yeah. And, like, maybe not what they used to be. So it's kind of like a transition tournament for them. Yeah. I feel like I'm talking big about Morocco and Canada, and one of them is going to bite me in the ass. Oh, absolutely. And, like, play like shit, you know? Yeah. I don't know which. So. But, yeah. That's, uh, I think that's our longest preview yet. Wow, that's, I told you, it's just a really, it a it's group. a group that I find very exciting and I had a lot to say about. Yeah. So, until Group G, yeah, we'll be seeing you. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you so hopefully soon. soon. So soon, like minutes from now.